0: And now your host, entrepreneur, real estate investor, and apartment deal syndicator, Jacob Ayers.
1: Hi, and welcome to the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom podcast episode 218. Hi, I'm your host, Jacob Ayres. Welcome back to another great episode. I'm so glad you're here. For those of you that have been tuning in, thanks so much. Thank you for all the great reviews, feedback, reaching out, sharing your stories, your successes, and your journeys. And for those of you that are new to the show, hi and welcome. I'm your host, Jacob Ayres. I'm excited to bring to you our guest today, Duray Ola Leye. Now, not only does Duray have a really cool name, he's a really cool guy. In fact, Duray is is based here in Houston, Texas, in the same area I am at, so him and I share a lot of commonalities and a lot of similarities. DeRay is like so many other people out there who was born with this blueprint to go to school, get a good education, get a job, and that's where DeRay found himself working for a prestigious employer, but feeling unfulfilled in his work. So DeRay set out to build a lifestyle he wanted and started focusing on growing a passive income portfolio. DeRay has gone on and since channeled his burning desire to help others by urging a change in their beliefs about who they are and what type of lifestyle they're able to achieve with the right mindset, focus, and leverage. So without further ado, I'm excited to welcome on the show, DeRay Olalaye. All right, today I welcome on the show a fellow Houstonian and young professional, young entrepreneur, DeRay Olale. DeRay, hey, thanks so much for joining us.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's my pleasure. I'm excited to be on your show. Super excited to see if I can uh, drop some value bombs for your listeners.
1: Yeah, awesome. Well, hey, Duray. first off, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got started in the world of real estate investing and kind of your journey up to this point. You, like many of uh, the listeners out there, are another young entrepreneur, young professional and young hustler. So it's good to have somebody on the show like that. So just kind of walk us through your journey and what's gone through your mind up to this point.
2: Yeah, I definitely appreciate that. So, um, man, I can start anywhere. And I love starting like from childhood, just kind of people to kind of get and understand like my mindset on things. But I'll I'll just kind of make it brief and start from college. And just like I did didn't have a typical, hey, I know exactly what I want to do when I grow up type of career path, right? I just knew that I was going to be successful. I didn't really understand when, how, what vehicle. I just knew it was coming, right? And then um, when I grew up and it didn't come, I was just like, ah, what's going on? But... When I first got to college, I never really had a a real, like quote unquote, real job. I'm working 40 hours a week. And most of us, when we get to college, we haven't really had that experience yet. I know I hadn't. I I had a few jobs. I worked at Jack in the Box for like a year and a half on the weekends and things like that, you know, just like little stuff, but never really just a full, full full-time job, like understanding, like this is real, the workforce. And in college, I was just like, well, I didn't want to start then. So I was just trying to find different ways to create revenue, make income, things like that. But anyways, I stumbled upon a volunteer organization. And I was like, Hmm, well, I don't have a job yet. It's my first year in college. This seems pretty cool. Let me kind of explore this and see what this can turn into. So I started volunteering with this organization. About a month or two in, I uh, became the marketing director of the organization and was not paid position, but it was a title. I was like, oh, cool. Nice. So now I'm the marketing director and this organization is really, really small. I mean, it's not small. It's actually like there's seven big organizations on campus. And there's like 500 organizations on campus is one of the seven. But at the time, it was a very small, big organization, right? So I was a marketing chair. And then that lasted for another month. And I quickly became the office manager. And I got paid. I was like, hmm. Well, I went from a few months of volunteering for this organization to getting paid to volunteer. I was like, that's pretty cool. Whatever. But I was still getting paid hourly. So I had to actually be where I needed to be to get paid. (laughs) A year into that, I became the assistant or vice president And that was the very next position. And this went from an hourly position to a salary position. So I was like, okay, well now I get paid whether or not I'm in the office, whether or not I'm volunteering. This is awesome. (laughs) It's just kind of some parallels that I'm drawing throughout this journey. And that process went on and I became the president and I went on to conquer many more organizations on the campus and actually grew this organization to like one of the largest on the campus at the time that I was there. But always stuck to the fact that it didn't really feel like to a lot of people on campus that I had a job. I was getting paid. I didn't really have a job. I was doing what I loved. I was doing what I enjoyed. I was volunteering and I was helping so many different organizations on campus volunteer and get their volunteer hours in, all these things. It was so amazing, but they were paying me. So I was like, okay, well, I was going to do this anyways. Like, I volunteered, like, doing this as a freshman just to get volunteer hours and, like, give back. But now you guys are paying me to do this. Okay, cool. And that's kind of how my mindset has been all my life, just like doing things that I really love, being where I want to be and controlling my time. So when it came time to graduate, I was sad and I was like, I got to go to the workforce. Okay, well, how do I become successful and kind of create the similar track in the workforce to where I could just be my own boss? have my time freedom, be wherever I want. I mean, I love traveling, by the way, Jacob. Traveling is my number one passion. And I think that just stems from an early childhood of traveling. Like it's not even something that was like vacation travel. It was just like mandatory travel. Like by the age of two, I had been to like three different continents. I had lived on three different continents. And like all throughout my childhood, every single year, I went to a different school. So I never really made any deep relationships, deep connections, but I was very good at being personable and having acquaintances because I would be the new kid at a school every single year up until high school. So I'm used to moving around. I'm used to traveling. And when I first heard about the concept of being a digital nomad, having a lifestyle business and all things, all of these things, I was just like, man, like the person I've been all my life like this, like this is this is my career path. But I didn't hear about that until a while into the workforce. So the reason I went into the workforce was because they told me that, hey, since you don't know what you want to do, but you know you're going to be successful, how about you go be a bean counter? I was just like, I guess I like numbers. It seems pretty stable, safe, secure, you know, all those words yeah, that- right. I was like, okay, cool. Let me go be a bean counter. And I said, well, well, wait, before you do that, make sure that you go and work for one of the best accounting firms in the world. So I was like, okay, I'll go do that. So in accounting, the best accounting firms in the world are called the big four accounting firms. So I was like, okay, it's like the Harvard of accounting. Let me go see if I can do this. And I actually applied, got accepted. And I was like, okay, well now real life begins. My first full year as a professional, jacob jacob jacob
1: (laughs) i know the life of a big four accountant especially a new graduate and you guys work insane hours so i know how that goes and uh yeah i can feel your pain right off the (laughs) back where you're at not personally but i've I've seen a lot of friends do the same career path and it's brutal so uh yeah it's one of those things jacob i'm just like the
2: travel like all the things that they kind of like tease you with like you're gonna get this this amex card i was like amex card american express i only have like visa and all this other stuff i'm gonna get an amex okay cool going to get all this travel, you're going to get to stay at the best hotels, you're going to get so many points. I was like, you know, I love traveling, Jacob. So I was like, say no more. But it wasn't the type of travel I thought it would be. It wasn't the type of work I thought it would be. It wasn't fulfilling, right? So as an accountant, you're sitting in a cubicle and you're doing work for the firm, in essence, who is hired from a client. So you're doing client work. And you don't really know the client, you're not understanding, you don't have a personal relationship with the client. So you're not really understanding how what you're doing is having a major impact on the client and their business. Although from a number standpoint, of course, you know, you're auditing their financial statements, but there wasn't any real fulfillment in what I was doing. I didn't see the end goal. So it was just like, I'm just pushing numbers around. I'm putting this file here. I'm moving these numbers over here. I mean, is this my life? Like, is this what it comes down to? Just like using this black mouse to just move things around? Like, is that it? I was so discontent. I remember I got an impromptu call on a Sunday evening saying that, hey, DeRay, a couple of the the team needs to head over to uh, San Francisco to do this quick audit you're a part of that, that small team. And it was a three-person team. I was like, okay, cool. When are we leaving? Oh, you're leaving tomorrow. Okay, cool. San Francisco's dope. I love San Fran. Let's go. So again, these impromptu trips, I was in the middle of spending time with family. I had things planned out for that week, but I had to go. And it wasn't even just for that week. It was for the next two and a half, I think three weeks. You would think that would be fun. I thought it would be fun. And I made it fun at the end, later on. But anyways, I literally worked every single day while we had that audit from Monday to Sunday. And I worked yeah. from 7 a.m. to 2, 3 a.m. sometimes yeah. and I was like, enough is enough, like this can't go on any longer. Um, I was having a lot of trouble with other employees. I just did not fit in the system. I was like, stop trying to control me. I need to break free. And um, I had a guardian angel, which is just another coworker. She just, I don't know why, I don't know who told her to, I don't know where she got the idea or the notion that, hey, let me give this one person out of the 10,000 people in this office, I think it was about a thousand. Let me give this one person, this little purple book that I'm reading. I think he will really benefit from it.
1: Oh, the purple book.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And she gave me that book, Jacob, and this was in April of 2016. May of 2016, I bought my first single family property. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. I I was like, this is not a game. This is something serious. I have the first thing in my whole entire life that is tangible. I understand and I will go after this full force and I will not stop. I'll be relentless. And I said, I'm going to quit my professional job in the next two years. I said, by May of 2018, I will no longer be a full-time professional ever again. Fortunately and unfortunately, my job quit me before I was able to do that. So I had to figure out how to fend for myself in the middle of a major, major, major fumble. Blum. And you, I think you're gonna ask me about this later, what's my worst deal to date? Well, first off, my worst deal to date are all the deals that I haven't that I didn't do, that I got under contract, and I slip where I didn't get under contract. Those are my worst deals. But my worst deal to date that I didn't do is uh, my only raise. It was a 302 unit apartment building in suburb of Dallas. And I was raising money for that deal right Right around the time I was let go of my job and I wasn't actually let go in a sense. It's a funny story because, you know, most people like to be like, well, hey, listen, let me tell you why I got fired. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Right. I was working at the time I went to go get once I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, I realized that I had all this technical expertise in the real estate world because I had been auditing the financial statements of some of the biggest real estate companies. Yeah,
1: that's a good good strength. I didn't know that
2: I was ever going to be in real estate, but somehow, some way, every single thing that I did up until that point was in the real estate world. I wasn't interested in real estate; it was just there, like it happened to be. Like honestly, call it like God's divine intervention because He knew where I was supposed to be. He kept pushing me towards there. I did internships. I worked for different companies. I did so many things that were always involved around real estate. And once I picked up that book, I realized that I had this. So much technical expertise as far as looking in arrears when it comes to accounting, when it comes to the numbers, like I can read a financial statement to you easily, right? But I didn't have forecasting. I didn't have the financial expertise. I had the accounting expertise, but not the financial expertise. I was like, man, why don't I do what Robert told me to do? Why don't I, instead of working for money, why don't I go work for education and work to learn and work to use the knowledge that I'm acquiring to actually build something that can pay me residually for the rest of my life? So I quickly went to go find a job that did exactly that. So instead of going to pay for school again, going to grad school and paying another 20, 30, 40, 100, 200 grand, I said, hey, let me go have a company pay me that money to teach me what to do. And I went to go um, consult for a private equity hedge fund based out in New York. So at that job, that fund was buying real estate assets of the magnitude that I started dabbling into. There was a conflict of interest or there arose to be an apparent conflict of interest. So my boss came up to me and was like, hey, DeRay, we hear this is what's going on. Are you? Oh, it was because they heard that I was, you know, I was raising money from employees, from coworkers. I had not done that yet. I had definitely considered it, <laughs> but I didn't do it. I hadn't done it yet. And I was considering it, but she brought it to my attention that she thought that that could be something that I would possibly be pursuing because I was a syndicator. And she was just like, hey, like, we just kind of want to figure out what's going on. These are like assets. I'm like, well, these aren't really in my head. I'm like, these aren't really like assets. Um, they only buy development properties and they only buy class A property. I mean, the assets were not like whatsoever, like we only buy class B and whatever. Right. And I could have argued my point. I could also prove to her that there was no reason that they had anything to worry about. I was the only person in my position. So my position was super vital to the company. So they had a lot to lose. From my point of view, I didn't have a whole lot to lose. I had began a podcast and I was slowly building out a coaching and consulting program to help people who were in my position a year ago buy their first investment property. And I was raising money for this major deal. So I was just like, look, you guys need me. So what is this meeting really about and it came down to hey like are you going to explain to us like what's going on and I was like you know what like I cut her off from mid since so I was like you know what I was like I don't think this is a good fit anymore. I think it's time that, you know, we be done with this. So she was like, yeah, sure. Like it was honestly what she had in mind anyway. So she pulled out the paper and she was like, here, do you need to go back to your desk and collect anything? And I was a single employee in the whole building that didn't have any personal items on my desk, any memorabilia. It was like, I didn't have like Go Hawks or anything. I didn't have anything at my desk because I was always ready to go from day one. It was never a job to me. It was me going to learn a process, to be going to learn a system. So when I left there, I had no money, right? I had just started investing. So I had a few investment properties that were making me a couple hundred dollars a month. And I was just like, well, I got this course coming out and I'm raising money for this $32 million deal. I'm going to be good. <laughs> Jacob, I wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> you, do you want me to keep going? I can keep going.
1: <laughs> oh, no, it's interesting. So maybe just a little segue there. Like, I think at one point you were following a path that many people find themselves in. And that's when I found myself in too. And that's especially people our age. I don't know if it's just a generational thing, but we're taught to go to school, get a good education so you can get a good job, right? And that's your path to success. But for many, they realized that that's not actually a path to success. That's just like, it's like this general cookie cutter blueprint. And that's where I found myself at one point. And it was like, you've got this job, so what's next? You're not necessarily doing any fulfilling work. You're not on a path to becoming a super millionaire or a decamillionaire in your 30s, right? I mean, you're gonna live a comfortable life. So there's many people that are out there facing that exact same scenario that you did and that I was. And I think it's important to see that, you know, there are other opportunities out there. You can go out and make your own opportunities and create your own success. And I think that's one of the appealing things about real estate investing. And that's kind of what it looked like your trajectory was starting to look like. So yeah, kind of share, you know, what's going on next. How are you making This you know transition because it's a rough time to you know have to go from that full time job to going out on your own. It's like a big leap of faith. So here you are facing that. What's it look like for you? Thank you
2: for uh, picking that up right back there because man, at this point, Jacob, I was the definition of a young budding entrepreneur. So every single thing that I saw looked like gold. I'm talking about drop shipping. I'm talking about Amazon. I'm talking about eBooks. I'm talking about Kindle publishing. I'm talking about lead gen sites. I'm Shopify. Everything I touched it, and I was just like, I am going to be a successful entrepreneur if it kills me. So, yeah. I started about six to eight businesses, and I was just like, Well, one of these businesses is going to hit. Slowly but surely, I started running out of capital. Things weren't working out. Businesses that needed a whole bunch of marketing and marketing costs, marketing dollars, I wasn't able to fulfill on that. Like, I didn't give myself the runway. I didn't give yeah. myself enough runway to really take advantage of the time that I had now that I, I was a full-time entrepreneur. So anyways, I was raising money for this deal. I had no idea what I was doing. It was my first money raise. No idea what I was doing. The first person that I picked up a book on how to even talk to a potential investor was Oren Class. And if you guys know oh, anything yeah. about listening to me in the Catch past 15, anything? Is that minutes, it? Pitch anything. Yeah. if you guys know anything about me listening to me in the past 15, 20 minutes, I'm no Oren Like, I, His methods are for a certain type of individual. He has like that grind your gears, like, hey, like, this is take it or leave it. This is what we're offering type stuff. You can't do that as a first-time investor. You can't do that as a first-time syndicator. I didn't know any better. I was like, Well, this is this guy seems pretty reputable. Let me not, I mean, this goes back to even following advice of even reputable people who have a proven track record and who have created success for other people. It doesn't mean it's always the right path for you. So, anyways, I took that, I felt miserable. My money raised. I raised $0. Literally, I raised $0. (laughs) And I was just so confident I was going to raise a whole bunch of money. My course had been working on it for so long. I put three, four months worth of effort in it. I had built up my funnel. I built up my email list. I had um, watched all these YouTube courses and went to all these seminars and spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars knowing that this course was going to help so many people. I was excited. But- I went through that process for three, four five months. And then by the time I launched the course and the course was like cheap, it was like $50 and I think the course was free, but you had to pay for coaching. So coaching for me was like $50 an hour or something like that. And I literally made no money from this course. And I walked away that year and I was just like, man, like, so I had this plan to quit my job in two years, a year and a half in my job quit me. I've just now failed at every single thing that I've attempted to do. Do I go get a job? Do I stick it out?
1: Yeah. So what that look like for you? I mean, a tough time. One thing I would say is, you know, if it were easy, everybody would do it, right? That's what I always tell myself when I'm like experiencing something hard, like, oh, this rental property is giving me a headache or gosh, how do I manage that? It's like, well, I guess if it were easy, everybody would be doing it and there'd be no money in it. Right. So.
2: Yeah. So the, the very next thing I did was something that didn't dawn on me before to do, but actually learn how to build a business. It sounds crazy, right? But I was just like, there's a system for everything. And although there are millions of businesses out there and hundreds of thousands of types of businesses and strategies, businesses boil down to some essential pieces. And a lot of those pieces I didn't have, a lot of those pieces I didn't understand. I want to do what I always do these days, something that I never did before. I used to hate, but I want to do what I always do these days. And I want to go find somebody who's done exactly what I'm looking to do. And I had them sit me down and teach me exactly what I needed to know to be prosperous. Yeah, sure yeah, let's go find a mentor. And mentor sat me down and was like, hey, like this is everything you're doing wrong. This is where you need to start. This is how you need to push yourself moving forward. First off, you're not valuing yourself in the knowledge and the experience that you have. Like you've had... Five, six, seven, eight years worth of real estate experience, even before you started investing. He said, You have this experience in accounting. You have this experience in finance. You have all this experience. In, and now, like that, you're an investor. You've had this experience raising money. Like, you're not putting value in the experience and the talents that you have to be able to offer to other people. He said, You're a great speaker. You know how to deliver your message. Like, you have all these hidden talents and you're undervaluing yourself. It's like, okay, hmm that was like the impetus of me, like changing everything, changing my whole system, changing my branding, changing my image, changing who I was and what I was able to offer. Not only that, but I also got some more rent mentors in the real estate space. And I started picking up a few more single family homes. And I, um, you're going to ask me about my best deal today. And my best,
1: <laughs> I don't have to do any of the interview. <laughs> I like this. <laughs>
2: One of my best deals, man, and this is how I recommend any and everybody get started if they have the opportunity. When I got that second job, I moved from Houston to Dallas. So I needed to get another job. I also knew that it was an impetus for me to start investing in Dallas. And I was just like, man, like, what's the best way to invest in Dallas? What's the best way to invest? I have to go get an apartment. I have to go buy a house and I have to live somewhere, but I also have to invest. Why don't I combine the two? So uh, I started looking for single family homes, So I can house hack like the rooms and things like that. Uh, I was on the prowl for like six, eight months and I would have one property under contract for like three, four months. And then it would go into a short sale. Like it would just be all these nasty things that happened. And I can, man, there's some gory details every single month in my first year, even now, like in my entrepreneurial journey. But long story short, I came across this fourplex and it was perfect. So what I did is what I'm sure many of your listeners, if they haven't heard of it, they they should definitely be keen to something like this because it's super powerful. But what I did is house hack that fourplex.
1: Yes. So I lived
2: in one unit and I rented out the other three units to tenants. Now, the amount of money that I was making from those other three units paid the mortgage, paid all the bills, like it literally paid everything. So guys, picture this. You have a piggy bank and you're not the one filling up that piggy bank. You have people who fill up this piggy bank for you, but it's not their money. It's your money. And this is, I'm talking about paying down equity, by the way. Sure. So yeah. You have people paying down your mortgage every single month. And I was like, wow. So I have this magnificent property and these people are paying down my mortgage. And then like, they've given me enough money to pay all the expenses. And not only have they done all that for me, but there's money left over. So now I'm getting an extra $300 a month and I'm living for free. Mind you, my rent before was like 14 dollars 15 dollars $1,600. So now I'm saving $1,500. I have a new piggy bank. I have monthly reoccurring revenue. And this is the good thing about all of this is that I am now location independent, Jacob, because I live for free. I don't have to worry about going on vacation for the night. Like I'm going to Jamaica for the, for like two weeks in about a week. Right. And I don't have to worry about paying rent where I'm living and also paying for my hotel there. And most people have to do that. Like you have to worry about I mean, you, We have to make sure that we're, we're being reasonable. Right. You're living 100 percent for free. You can go anywhere in the country for however long that you want. and You're good. That's something that when I when I realized like, man, this is my key to freedom. This is my key to freedom. So guys, again, when it comes to starting out in your real estate investing journey, house hacking is so powerful because I think more than anything else, it sets you up for success because you're eliminating a a large expense. You're creating your piggy bank and you're creating your first stream of monthly recurring revenue. That was a long side tangent. Anyway, so I started building up my, my, my real estate portfolio a little bit more. I started actually valuing myself in my coaching and consulting process. And I actually built up a coaching and consulting brand. And I started offering coaching and I started offering workshops and I started offering masterminds. I mean, that's where we are today. Like that those are the services that I'm offering. And my clients are killing it. They're buying the first houses in Dallas and Houston and DC and in, in San Fran, and they're house hacking. And they're doing amazing things. And it's one of those things where all the trials and tribulations that I went through gave me the knowledge and the resources and the Impetus and all of the training that I had gave me all the skills to be able to help the people that I'm helping now.
1: Yeah, sure. That's awesome stuff. And if you could kind of boil down a blueprint for what a lot of people, especially real estate investors' life, looks like is like go to school, get the job, realize this is not the answer, and then invest in real estate. And many common paths for people to get started. One of those best paths is house hacking, right? House hack that small multifamily. You've got the low down payment through doing an FHA loan or something of that nature. Rent out the other units, possibly live for free save up your money do it again do it again and uh yeah it's a brilliant strategy for people just getting started and i think it's one that's underrated many people think that oh i don't have the capacity or the means to invest in real estate but it's a pretty achievable path and uh, i know so many people that have gotten started that way i wish i would have done it i didn't quite take the initial house hack approach but um not from the lack of how'd you get started yeah i bought a a single family house in my home market of oklahoma so you and i are obviously both here in houston and if you know is just as good as anybody i wanted to live inner loop houston right so for people that are not in houston that means kind of inner city. And uh, real estate prices are relatively expensive, especially small multifamilies. And uh, it just didn't make financial sense from an investment standpoint for those types of properties. And I didn't want to go live far outside of the city to make that work. So I wasn't willing to make that sacrifice. So that strategy didn't work for my very specific criteria, but it works for many people out there. If you're living in San Francisco or New York, probably not going to work for you either. So sometimes you have to venture out of that strategy and do other things. But it's the brilliant thing about real estate. There's so many ways to do it and there's not a wrong way to do it. So I think just get started. And yeah, so here you are, you've kind of done that first house hack, which was a fourplex working great for you, right? And then you're going to grow this thing. So like anybody else, what's next for you?
2: Yeah, actually my, my first uh, house hack was actually a single family home. Uh, similar to you, I bought a 3-2. That was that first deal I bought right after I read Rich Dad Poor That was oh, a right. 3-2. Yeah. Actually in Houston. But what I started doing after that was like, I was just like, well, this apartment syndicating thing, like I really have to figure this thing out. And it's hard to figure that out while I'm focused on small multis, I'm focused on single family and I'm focused on teaching that primarily. So I was dividing my time and I had all these other businesses going on. I was just like, man, like something has to give. But before any, anything gave, I realized that... I needed to start growing my portfolio and it was getting very hard to grow my portfolio especially because I was no longer an employee and I was yeah. just like, man this is hard so through that process like picture this like I started running into trouble because I was like man like this it's hard to grow my portfolio without longer having a w-2 job right I started running into that trouble and then I started running into trouble on the on the coaching and consulting then because as many people as I was, I was able to help get into their first and second deal and house hacking things and buy like turnkey properties and things like that there started becoming people that were discovering me and hearing about me and joining my programs. And they were like, well, I don't have any money to house hack. I don't even have that 5% or 3.5%. I don't have any, like, how do I get started? And I was just like, okay, so you guys don't have any money to get started and I am no longer an employee and I have no way to get financing. Okay. There has to be another strategy for me to help these people get started because my strategy is not working for everybody. Yeah, sure. So this is something that I've recently started in the past, like literally a few months and I'm honing in on it now, but I'm working on helping people get started with no money, no credit, no financing. And I'm sure you can think of a few ways to do that, but the impetus of what I'm teaching now is that, hey, like if you're in a means, if you have the means to be able to house hack, that is number one going be your starting out strategy. But you want to have a system that you're going to build to start being able to generate active income, especially if you don't have any money, like people don't have any money, and they want to start investing. It's like, how?
1: Well, you have to ask yourself, what are you investing? Right? Like you either invest yeah. your time, your money, your experience. And if you've got nothing, then what are you investing? Right? Exactly. So most people invest their money. Some people invest their time, go work for that employer for you know, the experience or whatever it is, that's investing time. So
2: Yeah, you're spot on. So I was just like, well, what people have to do, exactly what you said, go work for that employer. There's a few options, right? You have to create active income to put in your passive buckets. Most people, what we do is we get our money and then we're like, okay, well, let's go spend everything on our expenses. And then what we have left, we'll save and we'll invest, right? And that's not how things should actually go. You should actually get your money, invest, have that money pay you, and then you use that money to pay your expenses and everything else, because you've created a machine that creates cash flow every single month. So yeah. if we can just switch those two. Steps two and three would be all the better. But what we want to do, especially for step one, is want to make that money first. So if you're starting with no money, you'd have to start saving money from your employer. You have to become an entrepreneur and start creating active income. There are a few things that you can do, or you can kind of just jump into real estate, not from an investing standpoint, but maybe from a professional standpoint. And I'm not talking about a realtor or anything. I'm more so talking about things like flipping contracts, wholesaling, things like that, right? Now you have this active income whether it's your W-2 job or you're an entrepreneur or you're actually in real estate, you're flipping contracts and things like that. You have this active income, you're making five, 10, 15K on deals. So that's what I'm teaching. I was, you're able to build this active income and now you're able to start investing. And what's really cool about building active income in this way that I'm, this specific way that I'm talking about is you're the point man. Right, So for a fixer and a flipper to get a deal, they have to go through that point man, the wholesaler. For a rental property investor you're to get a deal, they're most likely going through that wholesaler. So if you're the point man, you can now choose once you've built up your active streams, you can now choose, well, do I want to keep flipping these properties? or wholesaling these properties for 5, 10K? Or now that I have a little bit of money, can I start maybe putting some money into these properties and flipping them for 20, 30K? Or if I'm really stable, maybe I don't do any of that. I just keep the property and I start making cash flow of $500 or $600 a month. Yeah, sure. because you're the point, man, you have these three options. So now I'm just like, I have this mindset. I always had this mindset, but now I can prove it. You can get started in real estate today. Now, we talked about this on my podcast a few days ago or yesterday, we talked about this. You can get started now. There's nothing stopping. You have all the resources at your disposal. And now I can prove it because I found another system and I'm using another system and I'm helping my students use another system where you don't need any of that stuff. So any and everything is possible. If there's a message in here, any and everything is possible. You have to believe it's possible. You have to go find the education, the resources and extract that. And then you have to go implement that.
1: Yeah, definitely so.
2: One thing somebody told me the other day was that Napoleon Hill, who we all love and we read, we consume all his stuff like he died a poor man. And I was just like, what? The Napoleon Hill, like the person I like, I read all his books and I soak in all his information, he died a poor man. I was like, wow, well, that goes to show you, knowledge is dead without works, right? You can have all the knowledge in the world if you're not out there implementing what you're learning. If you're just listening to this podcast because it's inspirational, it's entertaining, it's what you're going to do on your Friday commute home, that's not going to cut it.
1: Yeah, you've definitely got a point there. Let's drill in there because, yeah, you can listen to podcasts, you can read books, you can learn about these strategies, you can sign up for coaching sessions. But you've got to take action. It's like where the rubber meets the road. You've got to implement those things and with all the motivation, all the education it's useless without following up with action. So yeah, I mean, and people out there thinking it's going to be like some massive ordeal. I mean, everybody's capable of doing something, a little something each and every day, right? Just like put one foot in front of the other, take a small step, take the next small step. Next thing you know, you learn to walk, then you're going to be sprinting and marathons and from there. So yeah, I mean, it's all about just taking action, following up like that vision and those goals with some sense of action. And that's where a lot of people don't actually follow through with things.
2: Again, I'm jumping ahead, but you're going to ask me about my favorite book. And my my favorite book of this year is going to really help people take action. So I can't wait to get into that.
1: Well, yeah, <laughs> let's, go ahead and, let's go ahead and jump into that. So, you know, you've alluded to the lightning round uh, series of questions we ask every one of our guests. Sounds like you're familiar with them. So sounds like you're up for them. Let's just jump into them. So the first question is, what was your biggest hurdle getting started investing in real estate? And then what'd you do to overcome that?
2: Well, as you guys know now know, I bought my first piece of property 30 days after I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. My biggest hurdle was just not knowing like not knowing there was such, (laughs) yeah, just not knowing as soon as I knew I did. And a lot of people aren't like that. Right. So I guess my biggest hurdle is not relatable to a lot of people because once I know something I'm going to go do, whether or not I fail at that, it's an experience and I can build off of that experience and I can teach other people about how to circumvent that experience. So, I mean, for me, I literally just jump in and I look at the
1: results and I analyze from there. Yeah, sure. Well, Duray, do you have a personal habit that contributes to your success?
2: I would say, I'm a big fan of this book called The Big Leap by an author. uh, His name is Gay Hendricks. And we operate in different modalities. And the highest modality to operate in is what is called your zone of genius. And this is the thing that you can do for hours on end that you don't even feel like it's work. It's pure bliss. I used to tell people that I'm retired, right? And some people got got offended by that. I mean, you can't say you're retired. Like, I mean, I work my butt off. I work every single day, but I used to tell people I'm retired. And I realized when people got offended, like, why are you guys getting offended by that? I mean, I, I am retired, but my mentality When I say that, is that although I work my butt off, I work like a dog, I mean, my work is uplifting others, it's inspiring, it's helping people, it's closing on everything is so fun. Like, I'm not like doing this podcast episode is my work. Yeah, yeah. This is fun, you know? So, when I think about what has contributed to my success, my personal habits are going back to how I was in college and how I am now. Like, I love to actually do the things that make me happy, that fulfill me. And success to me is you going towards like it's the constant progression of something that you deem as a worthy investment or a worthy trait or whatever is worthy to you if you're going towards that goal if you're going towards that ideal that is success so if you want to be a real estate investor and you're not listening to any podcasts you just have this big pine of sky you know dream that hey like i'm gonna be a real estate investor but you're not doing anything towards that i mean you're failing if you're working your w2 job right now you're the cFO and you're making 250 grand a year and you're on private jets and whatever the case may be but you're not going towards something that is a worthy ideal for you, not what everybody else thinks, not what your direct Underlying things like, oh my God, my boss is so amazing. But what you think, if that's not a worthy ideal for you, you're not successful. So by definition, success is going towards something that's a worthy ideal for you. And if you're going towards your real estate investing dreams, so if you're listening to this podcast, that is a step towards the right direction. You are by definition successful. So when you talk about what daily habits make me successful, it's always pursuing my dreams. It's always going towards the things that are worthy ideals for me. And for me, that's helping people, that's pouring into others, that's nourishing people, that's giving people that aha moment that I had in 2016 when I first got that little purple book. That's what success is for me. And a daily habit that helps me get really crystal clear on that is my morning routine. I'm not gonna go into the the spiel of a long morning routine, but definitely pick up the book, uh, Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod, and he'll give you a good basis to kind of form your own morning routine. from.
1: Yeah, yeah. love that, love that. Well, Duray, do you have an online resource that you find valuable in your day-to-day?
2: Bigger Pockets, how about that?
1: Yeah, good one.
2: We mentioned yesterday on my podcast that I haven't really been on Bigger pockets a whole lot, but recently I decided that that needs to change. BiggerPockets is a large hub and that is gonna be my new online resource that I'll actively try, to, at least for the next 30 days. So today is February 1st when we're actually recording this. But for the next 30 days, I will... Make sure that I'm active on Bigger Pockets. That is a, a great online resource for any and everybody looking to start or progress down their investing journey.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, Duray, what book would you recommend to the listeners, and why? We've mentioned a few, thrown out a few, but what's your ultimate book recommendation?
2: So this book I just read December 31st, and I finished it January 1st, and it's called The 12 Week Year. And before I read this book, I, as any entrepreneur, realized that there are a lot of things in my business that I could work on at any given time. Jacob, go ahead, I know you have some thoughts on this. (laughs) Totally
1: right, that's for sure. (laughs) I
2: mean, it's like anything, I mean, you can work on your website and that can increase your conversions tomorrow. You can work on your marketing funnel, that can increase something tomorrow. You can go work on your sales pitch, you can go work on priming investors, you can go work on reach out, you can go work on, I mean, you can work on
1: everything. There's always something to do,
2: right? Like you can never not be like, well, I think, oh, I'm good for like the year. I've worked on everything. Everything's done. That can never happen. The definition of entrepreneur is that never happening. So when I picked up this book and it made me hone in on what is my 12 week goal? Right. Because when we think about our one year goal, it's 365 days. A lot happens in a year. And you think about a one week goal that's I mean, a one year goal that's way far out. It's almost arbitrary. Like you can't it's like a figment of your imagination. You can't really actualize it because it's so far away. And so many things happen throughout that course. And you're not really able to really properly plan like a step in January, that will actually help your step in December, right? But when you condense your year into 12 weeks, and you get laser focused on the single going, going back to books, like the one thing by Gary Keller, but the single most important thing that is on the top of your like accomplishment list, like this is what I want my business to look like, or this is what my revenue goal is, whatever the case may be, right? When you focus on that, when you have a 12 week goal, my 12 week ends March 31st, 2019. So I have three months to reach my goal from that three months, I could break that down into monthly goals and then weekly goals and then daily goals. Yeah, so yeah. being that, as opposed to what I was doing last year, huge difference. And this is something I just told my mastermind members, like, guys, you have to implement some type of 90-day journal, 12-week journal. I think BiggerPockets just came out with one as well. You have to implement some type of 12-week short-term goal-setting journal. It is life-changing. That is my favorite book of the year so far.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Well, I read about it. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, wrapping up the last question in the lightning round, if you're to give advice to your 20-year-old self to get started investing in real estate, what would you go back and tell yourself? My
2: 20-year-old self? I was still trying to become the president of a volunteer organization, man. Um, <laughs> I was in no position to invest. But if I was just to give um, advice to my young self, it would literally be... And I hate to use myself as the example, because I, I again, guys, um, me and Jacob, especially me, I am wet behind the ears. I know nothing. <laughs> like, I am just getting started. I've got I
1: do, I, what I'm doing either. So.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but one thing I have realized through my journey and in interviewing 100 millionaires and entrepreneurs from all over the world at this point, and just getting the advice that I've gotten, and even having the experiences that I've had, my single biggest advice is whatever it is that you're doing, just actually go do it. Like, start. Um, I don't care what it is. I don't care what that first step is. I don't care how bad you fail. Just do it. Like my first deal could have been the worst deal in the world. And I wish it was because it would literally be a story that can tell somebody like, Hey, just do it, man. Like, I know it sounds bad. I know it sounds crazy. And a lot of people won't, would probably tell you to be cautious. I mean, yes, be, ca- but do it. Please do it. And just see what happens. That yeah. would be my big advice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, sure. So many people just say they wish they would have got started sooner, right? So go back to your 20-year-old self. What would you tell yourself? Yeah, just just take action. Just get after it. Just do it. So yeah, love that. Well, DeRay, hey, it's been a lot of fun having you on, catching up with you. Now, you obviously are no stranger to the microphone yourself. You host a podcast called Before the Millions. So tell us a little bit about that and then where audience members can learn more about you reach out to you and just connect with you
2: yeah i appreciate that jacob yeah i definitely have a podcast similar to yours and we're talking about some of the these interesting topics that me and you have just talked about on this on this conversation today but um it's one of those podcasts again I, I share my story and i walk on my path before the millions i mean that's why the podcast is called before the millions you're seeing somebody's path who hasn't yet made it but you're watching like the failures and successes over the course of years really and then in each individual episode you're getting bite-sized like hey like this is a path of each individual entrepreneur it's been amazing but it's also an educational platform so that all leads to my coaching and consulting. I help first time real estate investors get into the first investment property and build up their lifestyle business because it's all about lifestyle design for me. It's not about how many units I have, which I used to be crazy about, man, I need to have a lot of units. And now it's just like, no, like I really don't care about that. Like I travel the world freely. I live on my own terms. I don't have a full-time day job. I don't do anything that I don't want to do and I don't have a whole lot. So it's about lifestyle design and if I can help people do that, that's what I want to help people do. Uh, my secondary product is a mastermind group for people like me who are are building this business and have no idea what's going on. Like, how do I build a podcast? How do I start a real estate meetup? How do I start that real estate app and, and design it? And how do I raise money? I mean, I have a group of individuals who we're all like in different areas of the world, and we're all, I mean, we have all have different niches, right? But we're able to come together and collaborate and talk about things to move our businesses forward all in the real estate world. So I just love talking to entrepreneurs. I love, love helping real estate investors. So if you're in that boat, if you're feeling like you don't know what to do, where to get started, I mean, just hit me up on Instagram. Like, I love chatting with people. It's one of those things to where, Hey, like just having a conversation with you be like, Hey, DeRay, like, this is what I'm thinking. I'll give you advice. Like, I don't care. Like that's what I want you to go out and pursue something and do something and come back and tell me like, Hey, DeRay, this is what I did. And I killed it. Right. So you can reach out to me on Instagram on before the millions.com. I'm, every, I'm everywhere.
1: <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So that's before the millions podcast. You can find that anywhere. You can find podcasts where you're listening to this one or anywhere else. You can learn more at www.beforethemillions.com. Once Dore makes it, we're going to change that site to before the billions. That's a little Marketing pitch. I'm going <laughs> to connect the show here, but uh, awesome, Dre. Well, hey, it's been a lot of fun having you on, and uh, we'll have to connect soon in the future here in Houston. Till next time, thanks so much for coming on.
2: Thank you, thank you so much, Jacob. I mean, the inspiration you're providing to your listeners. I just got done listening to a few episodes, and I was like, yeah, this is this is some good inspiration. Your your Friday shows, man, killing it. So um, you guys definitely tune into every single one of Jacob's Friday shows. I love it. Thank you for having me on.
1: Thanks so much, Dre. till next time, take care, man. See ya All right, that wraps up this week's episode with our guest, DeRay Olalaye. Well, hey, if you'd like to check out any of the resources or websites that we mentioned in today's conversation, you can find those in the show notes. And if you like what you heard, please go over and leave a rating and review on whichever platform you're listening on. Well, till next week, engineer the lifestyle you want.